Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. Each week, we interview the best and brightest in physical therapy, wellness, and entrepreneurship. We give you cutting-edge information you need to live your best life, healthy, wealthy, and smart. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not be used as personalized medical advice. And now, here's your host, Dr. Karen Litzee. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Karen Litzy, And in today's episode, I am so, so happy to have back on the podcast, Trisha Brooke. So she is a writer, director, producer, curator, coach. Her passion for storytelling has helped shape her work in film, television, and theater for over 25 years. Her work has been featured on Black Box for ABC, The Affair for Showtime, and Rescue Me on Fox, as well as in Lassie Hallstrom's The Hoax with Richard Gere. She received a Golden Thumb Award from Roger Ebert for her choreography on John Turturro's feature film, Romance and Cigarettes, where she worked closely with James Gandolfini, Kate Winslet, Susan Sarandon, Eddie Izzard, Christopher Walken, Steve Buscemi, and Bobby Cannavale. She's directed award-winning shows like the web series Sublets, which won Best Comedy at the Vancouver Web Fest, and the short documentary This This Dinner is Full, which earned official selection at New York Women in Film and Television Short Festival and the New York Independent Film Festival. Trisha is committed to producing and directing stories that entertain, uplift, and foster an exchange of ideas. As the executive producer of TEDx Lincoln Square right here in New York City, she curates the top speakers in the country and her production company, The Big Talk Production, shoots documentary shorts on thought leaders, making an impact on our world. She is also the host of The Big Talk, a podcast Where she has all the time and energy to do all of this, I will never know. But she is amazing. I was part of her speaker salon uh, over the summer, and it was completely transforming. The support from her and uh, the other people in the salon was amazing, and it really has helped make me a better public speaker. So I can't thank her enough for that. Now, on this episode, we discuss the importance of getting clear on your driving reason to take the stage, the tools that can help you become a fearless speaker, differentiating between the speaker's objectives and their actions, which is really important when it comes to public speaking, and how to communicate your expertise as a conversation with your audience. Because of course, we want to be speaking with our audience, not at them, not lecturing them. We want to welcome them into our world and make them comfortable, make them really want to learn from us. So if you plan on doing any kind of public speaking, and that can be within your clinic your neighborhood, your community, all the way up to the TED stage. Uh, This is the podcast to listen to, and I just want to thank Trisha so much for taking the time out to come on to the podcast yet again. So enjoy, everyone. Hi, Trisha. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy and honored to have you back. Thank you so much, Karen. It's so awesome to be back on your show. And like I said uh, with the last episode a couple of days ago, This month is all about highlighting podcast hosts from other podcasts. So before we get going here, can you tell the listeners a little bit more about yours? Absolutely. My podcast is called The Big Talk. It's on iTunes, and I get the honor and opportunity to talk with people who 
talk for a living. That could be an actor, it could be a stand-up, it's mostly public speakers, but it's really an opportunity for me to dig in to the art of public speaking with people who do this for a living. And full disclosure, I was actually spent most of my summer with Trisha in her speaker salon here in New York City, learning how to become a better public speaker. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I have to say that for me, it was an amazing experience because of Trisha, because of your expertise and your kindness in criticism and all the other people there. I felt like I was comfortable and it was easy, wasn't easy, no, 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 scratch that. It wasn't easy to get up on stage, but it was easier to get up on stage because of the atmosphere that you set. And well, I found it so helpful. Thank you so much. It was a true delight to have you in the speaker's salon, Karen, because you brought to the table complete professionalism. You were always prepared. You knew what your script was, but you were also completely willing to take a risk with me and to trust me to sort of push you outside of your comfort zone. And I think that in addition to the art of public speaking, that is also something that we as pod podcast hosts have to do. We have to guide the, the show. We have to direct the guest. We have to make sure that we can get what we need from them in order to serve the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly what I felt throughout the speaker salon. And in the end, I told people, uh, I remember saying to a friend of mine, I went in and I had this talk and I was like, I thought I was pretty good, you know? And so I go in and start talking and you said one thing, you're like, what if, why are you doing it this way? And I was like, I don't know. And then all of a sudden the talk that I had planned became something completely different, but better. And I was like, well, of course it's better, but it made, it was much, made me very, very uncomfortable. Um, Let's explore what that means for our listeners because yeah. for your listeners, because the, the one, the question, why are you doing it from second person was right. Yeah. So, so this, yes. So this is, so I started this talk talking about, oh, let's say I, I, my speech was at a physical, is going to be at a physical therapy conference. And it sort of tar started out saying, I bet we've all had a patient like this. And then I went on to describe that patient, but that patient was actually me. And so Trisha, so why are you, if it's about you, why are you talking about it like it happened to someone else? And it was, made me do a lot of exploration and there were a lot of tears and a lot, a lot of tears, both on stage and off writing it. I can remember writing it with like tears falling down my face and getting on the paper and and a lot of crying up on stage, but it definitely pushed me to a place that was uncomfortable, but I did it. And I, and, and even though I was a little scared to do it, but I still did it. And it ended up being a much better talk because it was coming from a more authentic place. Awesome. I'm so glad to hear you say that. I would agree completely. And we as an audience want to trust our speakers. And if there's anything that's not truly aligned, we can feel it, we can smell it, we can taste it, and then we don't trust you. We don't necessarily know why, but we can't drop in to trusting you completely. So the moment you stop hiding and protecting and you actually go there, even though it's scary, that's when we believe what you're saying and can trust you. 
And, and that is what makes for a better talk. Absolutely. Bottom line. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Great segue. So today we're going to be talking about how to be fearless enough. How can we be fearless enough to speak and to teach and to connect? I think the first thing that one has to consider is why they want to take a stage, why they want to speak about an idea. And if the answer is, I wake up every day needing people to have this information, then you are on the right track. If you really need to share your message, your story with the world to inspire change, even in one person, then speaking and taking a stage is something you have to pursue. And the reason I say have to is because you're robbing the world of your audience, of, uh, of your um, idea, of your story. You're robbing the world of something that could potentially help them. So if you can count on the message, if you can go back to the idea and really align yourself with the idea and con concern yourself with that and not how scared, it, scared you are and how terrifying it is to take a stage, you will get through the fear and onto the other side. And I think that's why you were so successful in the speaker salon, Karen, because your message is what you landed on and you were able to move through the fear and the insecurity of how you might appear. Yes, correct. Even though it's still there, but now at least I feel like I have the tools to be able to push that back to let the other parts shine forward. I love that you said the tools because many speakers who are new to this may feel like they have nothing to ground them, nothing to hold on to. It's just get up on stage and hope that you do well. Hope you don't pass out. Hope you don't sweat. And Yeah, that was my strategy before the speaker salon. Don't pass out. That was it. Yes, and that's great but you can't really ground with that strategy because if you're worrying about passing out, you're worrying about being scared, you're not focused on the audience and delivering the content. So the tools that I teach speakers are you have to practice. It's very important to rehearse under mild stress and then continuously increase that stress. You have to understand what you're saying. So if you've written a talk and you're not clear as to why you've written it and why you're saying it, go back and rewrite it. Because if you're not clear on why you're saying what it is you're saying, we won't be either. So script analysis is very much a part of the tool kit. And then, of course, we talked about this objective in action. What do you want from your audience and how are you going to get it? If you constantly ask yourself, what do I want from my audience in this moment and how am I going to get it? You forget about the nerves because you're, you have to do something. You have an action to accomplish. And that's why I think it's important to understand that there are tools that can help you become a fearless speaker. And can we talk a little bit about the objective action for your audience? Because for me, I felt this was really, really helpful. Uh, when I was up on stage. And as I was speaking, you said, do you know that the action you're instilling in us is befriending you? And I said, no, I, I no. Because you were like, well, what do you want people, what do you want people to get out of this? And I remember saying, well, I want them to, you know, to feel empowered and to, 
you know, have a deeper understanding of pain, let's say. And then you said, well, you know, though, that you're the action that we're taking is we're befriending you. And so I think it's important for people to know that actions aren't just the audience will learn how to da, 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 da. The audience will understand X, Y, and Z. So could you expand on that for a little bit? Certainly. So understand and learn, those are passive actions, first of all. So if we're talking about what it means to have an objective, I'm going to give you a really clear idea of what that means. Let's say you want your kids to go to bed. That's your objective. Let's say you want your partner to take out the trash. That's an objective. How you do that is the action. You can bribe, you can beg, you can sweet talk. And those three actions work equally as well with your kids going to sleep and your partner <laughs> taking out the trash. So when you're clear on what your objective is and how you're going to get it, if your audience is falling asleep or they're checking their phones, you can pivot, you can shift your action, switch what it is you're doing in order to continue getting what you want. So the objective rarely changes. You want people to have a clear understanding of pain. You want people to uh, come away with knowing that they can become better physical therapists by listening to their patient. Those are your objectives. How you get it can be befriend. It can be inspire. It can be motivate. So if you're not getting what you want from them using one action, you may need to berate. You may need to entertain. You may need to switch up what that action is in order to get them to pay attention to you. Yeah. And, and for me, that was like profound during the speaker salon. I never thought about it that way, but that is how when you listen to great speakers or who we think are great speakers, it, that is what they are doing. And it's something that I use with actors all the time. If they can't drop into a scene, if they're not playing the scene honestly and, and authentically, I'll give them something to do, literally. Like walk over there and pick up that pencil. And as soon as they have something to do, they stop thinking about their words. They stop being self-conscious because they've got something to do. So that's why it's really important when you're working on a big talk that you go through your script and you clarify for yourself what your objective is within each scene, within each section, and then give yourself an action to play so that you're constantly fresh. You're not just getting up on the stage and reciting from a page. Yeah. And, and it makes, I will say it makes a huge difference from what I've seen from the other speakers at the speaker salon. And now that I have these tools kind of in my toolbox, when I watch other speakers, I can kind of pick up on it. So I think it's, it's an amazing um, insight that can really help make you a better public speaker and have you go out there and like you said, not be worrying about passing out or sweating through your clothes or not falling over or not tripping. You don't have to worry about that as much. Have you used these tools, Karen, as, your, as a podcast host on your show? You know, I... I Prob yeah, probably. I guess I just have never thought about it in that way. But I now I'm going to have to go back and, and re-listen. And as I do future podcasts, really think about that. 
I think if you can practice those tools in every form of communication, you will get really natural at being able to identify your objective and how to go about getting it. And it, it's such a great method of communication because you're really clear and you're not sort of um, muddying the communication by not understanding what it is you want. Yeah, for sure. It, huge, huge. So for everyone listening, it's a big one. Now, Script analysis, you went over, obviously, that's something that if someone is, wants to be a fearless speaker, they're going to know their script. Hopefully, they're going to have things basically memorized. One of the tips that I thought was really great is you said to do, what was it called? Like an Italian rehearsal? Or a, what yes. was it? Is that right? Is it? It I, is. Okay. In theater, we call a rehearsal where you go through the content as fast as possible without any emotion attached to it. You just say all the words so that you get your muscles working in your mouth. But the reason that it's, and it <laughs> fires the synapses of your brain, but it's called an Italian because Italian operas had such a quick turnover that they had to do a show and then strike the show and then do another show. And that's why we call that an Italian. Got it. And I will tell people out there, if you're looking to memorize a talk or a speech, it does help. I did it a million times, just blah, 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 as fast as I could. And it definitely helps. Um, another thing that I just spoke about yesterday with a patient, actually. So I'm actually using some of these tools to help be a better speaker. I use every day with my patients as well. Awesome. And one of them was... When we get kind of nervous or thrown off, we reach into our own sort of bag of tricks. So can you talk a little bit more about that? I say that we all have a bag of tricks, whether it's deflecting with comedy because we don't want to get vulnerable or whether it's bringing on the waterworks because if we cry, we think that that will endear us to the audience or whether it's waving our hands around because we don't know what to do with them still by our sides. Those are all things that are in our bags of tricks that we reach into. And if you identify what that is for yourself, I implore you to stop reaching into your bag of tricks because what that's doing is preventing you from becoming the best possible speaker you can become. You're relying on that and it may have worked for you up until this point, but it will stop working for you because you'll get stale. So if you're the, the kind of speaker who is often using comedy to deflect real emotion, try not doing that once and see what happens. I bet your audience will lean in. For sure. And I know I'm one of those people that like I use my hands all the time. So it was very difficult to kind of keep them down at my side. And, but by not using them, it forced me to kind of focus on the emotion behind the talk. Right. Which was much more important. And I love that you also said like, don't use air quotes as I'm <laughs> air quoting. You can't see it, but not using air when you're counting, like you don't have to count on your fingers in front of your audience. Like they get it. They oh my goodness. Yeah. There's, there's certain things you never want to do from the stage. Air quotes, counting on your fingers, <laughs> uh, looking back at the slide when you change your PowerPoint presentation, starting the sentence with so uh, I know. And, and the other is apologizing. Never apologize from the stage. All amazing tips. And I think all of those will help the listeners to kind of get a better understanding of how all those good speakers that we see all the time are good at what they do. So now let's say, as I just said, so. 
<laughs> Let's say someone out there is thinking, I really want to apply to speak at a conference, but the fear is just paralyzing and holding them back. What advice do you have for those people who haven't even gotten up there yet? They're afraid to even try. I think the first step is to put yourself out there. And the reason I think that is because 99% of the events and conferences you apply to, you'll never hear back from. <laughs> and that's a sad reality, but it is a reality. So if you can start beginning, if you can start to apply and get the muscle flexed of what it means to fill out a solid application, you will become more comfortable, you'll, you'll become more confident. It's all about practice. It's all about practicing the art of putting yourself out there, practicing the art of writing your script, practicing the art of delivering this content, practicing the art of what it means to share a very important message. You don't wake up and become Tony Robbins. You have to practice and you have to live in your shoes and be who you are and where you are in this moment. And that's what I want you to really remember is if you do your homework and if you give yourself the opportunity and commit to yourself as to where you are, all you have to do is start. And, and that is often the hardest thing, but I think, and I'm also a big believer of doing the homework, putting the work in. And if you, if you get, if you apply to something, you get it. Awesome. If you don't, you've just done all this work. It's made you better. It's solidified your message. And then you can move on to the next one. For sure. And what if somebody gives you feedback? What if you're lucky enough to see, to hear no and why that is gold. I think we forget that no is an opportunity for a new door to open. The TEDx Lincoln Square that I'm executive producer of, it's very important to me that anybody and everybody that applies to my event hears from me if they're not chosen. I don't send out a, a random template email. I actually record a voice memo for everyone personally, and I give them the opportunity to set up a call with me for feedback as to why they didn't get chosen. That's important to me because I want speakers to improve. I want speakers to have the best possible chance because I know their message is important. And what's fascinating about last year, only seven people out of hundreds got back to me about feedback. So I really want to share with the listeners, Karen, that we want you to succeed when somebody says, would you like feedback? Say yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, why would you pass up on that opportunity for feedback? I don't know. I don't know either. That is, talk about a missed opportunity. Right? Because so anybody who applies to TEDx next year when I say <laughs> this, I actually mean what I say, everybody. <laughs> yeah, she does. Believe me. Um, yeah, I mean, because then you could apply again this year. So if all those people took you up on that offer, got the feedback, and then reapplied, maybe they'd have a better chance. For sure. 
Yeah. That's, that's something that's really important is when you're starting to apply to events, whether it's a TEDx or a conference or a panel, you have to put yourself out there in order to give your idea and your story the possibility of being heard by anyone. I also want us to share with your listeners that speakerhub.com is a free resource that is one of the best things you can apply for. All you do is sign up. You, It's free. They don't take any money if you book gigs. And they will email you based on your content certain events and speaking gigs that are right for you. That's awesome. What a great resource. So hopefully everybody listening to this will, will uh, sign up for that ASAP. We'll have the link in the show notes um, and, the, and the podcast. So for anyone that's listening and interested, you could just go to the podcast page and click that on. So now we've gone through, I think, a lot of really great tools to help you become a better speaker, to help you overcome that fear. But let's talk about you get, let's say you overcome the fear, you're on stage, you've got all these tools, you still have to communicate. And there's good communication and there's probably not so good communication. So as let's say we're talking to people in healthcare, a lot of people in healthcare listen to this podcast. What does that look like? Such a great question, Karen, because when we are the expert, there's this fine line that we have to walk, which is imparting the information so that our expertise is communicated, but also maintaining the ability to be relatable as a human being so we can hear what you're saying. So those are the two things that are really important to marry, whether you're talking to other healthcare professionals, whether you're talking to a room full of entrepreneurs, whether you are hosting an event, when you as the expert come across as too pushy, too passionate, too smart, we turn off. And I'm not at all saying we cannot be passionate or smart or pushy, but we have to be very careful with our action. You do not want your passion to come across as anger. If you're super passionate about global warming, why can't you just turn off the light, people? Why can't you just not flush the toilet every time? That's not going to help us. We're going to yeah. not, we're not on board. Yeah, we don't like to be lectured to. Right. So it's important that you have a conversation with us. Even if we as the audience are not talking back with you or talking to you, you are just speaking and we are listening, it's still very much a conversation. And it's our job as speakers to observe what's happening in the room to notice if people are engaged, if they're leaning forward, if they're nodding their heads, yes. And if they're nodding their heads, no, or they're sleeping or they're on their cell phones, we have to pivot. We have to choose a new action to get them back on board. It's about the audience. And is this what someone would consider a communication style? Or is that different? Because you know how okay. people are like, oh, I don't really like their communication style. I don't like their... So does that where this would fall into or is that different? That's a good question. I haven't thought about what a communication style is, and I, I worry that if we impose a communication style on ourselves, 
we are then not speaking from our points of view and who we are. You have, if I'm going to use the word communication style, you have a very different communication style than Marla Schultz, who is a stand-up comedian who was also at the speaker salon. So I would never impose her style upon you. I would never say, A, do it like that ever and b nor would that work because it wouldn't be authentic so i think yes when we know who we are that lends itself to who we are as speakers but i would prefer not to impose a style at all as long as we are communicating from a place of intention and the objective is clear and our idea has been completely fleshed out and analyzed within the talk so that we have a very clear through line and arc and call to action, whether it's to think differently, buy my book, donate to this organization, whatever the call to action is, that is really what I want you to focus on rather than some sort of style. Yeah. So it, it as you were speaking, what came to my mind was the communication style might just be too wrapped up into your bag of tricks. Ah, yes. Well said. Right? Well said. I'm going to give my talk like this because I sound really important. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or, or, you know, using humor because you saw another, like there's this great physical therapist who is an amazing speaker. His name's Lorimer Mosley. And he does use humor and within his lectures, but it is completely his style. Like I would never in a million years think, well, I'm going to do the same communication style he does because it really seems to work. But it's, that would be me reaching into somebody else's bag. And that's not even his bag of tricks. That's his authentic self. Right. It would be you borrowing his authentic self, putting it into your bag of tricks and then reaching it. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Wait. Yes, exactly. So borrowing someone else's authenticity and making that your bag of tricks. Whoa. Don't do it. That's a big one. Yes. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. Now, is there anything we missed about communication and, and really about being that spirit? fearless speaker that you want people to really take home? I think ultimately it's a process and we need to flex the muscle over and over again in order to release the feeling of self-consciousness. If we can trust that everyone will judge you, so stop judging yourself and just work through that and focus on the message. That's the most important part. Focus on the message and the story that you want to share with your audience and the impact, the global change that you want to make on the world. That is why you're getting up on a stage. It's not to impress anyone. It is not to um, say you did it. Maybe it is. Maybe it's on your bucket list. But I would suggest that you have to think really hard why you want to get up on a stage because it takes so much work. It takes hours and hours and hours and hours of work because you have to write the script. You have to memorize it. You have to get up on stage. You have to perform it over and over again. Public speaking is no joke. It takes 
vulnerability, it takes structure and skill. So I think when you have the tools, when you have the support system that you can constantly refer to, it makes it less scary and it makes it far more possible. Absolutely. And I, I can't agree more with everything that you said. And that is everything that I experienced in the speaker salon. It was more work than I thought it was going to be. Um, I was like, oh, I'll just write this speech and then that'll be it. And it's not. It took, it it took hours and hours. And that is one thing I learned from that speaker salon is if I'm going to speak somewhere, they're entrusting me with their audience. And if I don't take the time and the effort and the skill to put into that talk and to put into the time behind that talk, it's an insult to the people who have invited me to that stage. You couldn't have said it better. It's our responsibility to deliver. And doing that takes work. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I cannot thank you enough. And before we go, I will ask you the same question I asked everyone. And I think I asked you it before, so now I'm going to ask it again. So knowing where you are now in life and in work and in career, what advice would you give yourself as the person just starting out. So let's take you back a number of years when you were trying to break into the New York theater scene and doing your thing as an actress and dancer, choreographer. What advice would you give to that gal from back then? Keep showing up every day because your true life reveals itself to you. Excellent advice. Thank you so much. And now where can people find you if they have questions and thoughts. And do you have any other stuff coming up where people can join you and maybe get some more of these great tips and lessons? I would love to invite your listeners to The Big Talk, season five, and that's called Journey to the Stage. And I actually take five speakers through my process of identifying ideas, writing a big talk, and delivering a big talk. So you'll get to hear in real time what this process is like and i would also love to offer your listeners a free ebook called the seven step formula to fearless speaking and they can download that if they text my name trisha t-r-i-c-i-a to the numbers 44222 and it'll pop up in your inbox and of course you can go to my website trishabrook.com you can email me directly at trisha at trishabrook.com. I answer everyone's emails, and I really love what I do as far as helping people make a difference in the world, take a big stage or the big screen. I take my work very seriously, and it was such a pleasure to have you on my stage, Karen, and I, I saw you become the speaker you were meant to be, and that was such a gift. Oh, thank you so much. I'm getting emotional again. Shocker. No, thank you so much. I, it was a wonderful experience and I can't wait to continue with it uh, in the fall as well. So thank you so much, Tricia, for coming on and sharing all this great info. I loved it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me the second time, Karen. Absolutely. And everyone, thank you so much for listening. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to the podcast at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media.